In this episode, we're having a one-word conversation with students about leaders. We have two dynamic and incredibly talented student leaders providing important insight. Let's get to it. So, Mana, when you hear this word leaders, what are some things that come to mind for you? I would say the initial thought that I always had was dictatorship instead of leadership. I always thought being a leader means that you have to dictate everyone and force them to believe in the things that you believe and just want them to do things that you think is right. So for a long time, I thought that was how everything kind of worked. I thought leaders were people that actually only cared about themselves and were only asking people to like make things easier for them. I kind of feel like the reason for that might be because of the place that I grew up in. So I was like born and raised in Iran and like women are super oppressed and they have no rights and literally you don't see any democracy. So when you're um, in that environment, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, that's it. This is the world that we live in and there's nothing outside of there. So when I came to the States and when I saw like different types of leadership and when I was, you know, I had the ability to kind of lead a group of people, that's when I actually realized like, no, you know, you have to accommodate and you have to listen to your people. And, you know, you kind of like have to take a bullet for them in order for them to take a bullet for you. So I think I've learned that ever since I uh, moved to the States. And I think uh, it's a valuable lesson. I don't think I would have ever learned that if I had stayed there. So I think it has a new definition for me now. It's it's just loving people and, you know, the ability to love serving people. I would say that that's what leadership is. That's, awesome. that, that's great. And oh, okay, Amir, you wanna jump in, go for it. Yeah. I think of like like learning, learning from everyone, everyone else, because to be a good leader, you have to acknowledge the people that you're leading, you have to, make sure that they know that, that, that they matter, that, that they're seen, that they're heard. And I also, like being a leader, I feel like I want to create more leaders. I want other people to feel the power that, that they have within themselves to lead. And, you know, leading in, in different ways, that means, you know, at home, at the school, in, in the community, you know, it's just, you know, leading with love, leading with compassion, leading with respect, leading with, you know, like, wanting the best for everyone and not just for yourself and not to, you know, have this title or have this position, but to leverage your position in a way to, you know, give other people opportunity to, you know, like I said, create those other leaders. So that's kind of what I think about when I hear leader. That's, that's beautiful, Amir. And where did you, where did you learn that model of leadership? I feel like definitely in, in my home, you know, having a mom, that struggled a lot growing up and her, her story was super inspiring. And I saw how like her story and how her leading by example just made people gravitate towards her. And I kind of had to find it within myself. Like there was a point, you know, like in my life where being a leader, you know, or even just really thinking about who I was, wasn't really important to me, but I kind of like found this realization of, of myself and, and that I'm capable of so much. It, it made me realize that, like, I don't know, not everyone, like, has this feeling yet, but, like, to help kind of, like, spark that. So, I don't know, I just, I feel like I kind of grew into 
becoming a leader through my own experiences and has that been fairly recent for you, Amir, or is, um, was that maybe high school helped facilitate that? Was it more starting in community college, facilitating other things? Uh, so, um, like my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was just really disconnected. Like I was ditching school all the time. I was never home. I was really like lost a sense of who I was. And it was getting to the point where I was like, okay, like, like my life is like up to me, like where I want to go is up to me. So once I realized that I was like, I need to get my stuff together. So I, and I realized that I had to separate myself from the people that I, that I was around because the people that I was around, you know, they weren't, they weren't leaders. So I had to recognize that separate myself. And then I started attending the community learning center, the CLC. And then I found out that I could be concurrently enrolled as a high school student. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And once I, just submerge myself in that environment it really allowed me to grow up and you know like snap out of it and be like you know like I'm starting my college education and I don't know from there it just definitely took off and I really became more in tune with myself and this message that I have and that I want to share with other people and yeah that's awesome um Mana how about you what leadership roles or, or what experiences have you um, been through recently that really kind of sets you up to think the way you're thinking, especially the roles you're in now uh, at Miracosta. It's funny when Amir was talking, I immediately could relate because I used to be a rebel myself. Um, I actually <laughs> got expelled from uh, my high school um, because I was just I was just not listening and I wasn't like doing what I was supposed to do. And I remember my parents being so disappointed and they were so worried. They, were, they really thought that I had no future. And they, I think they gave up on me at some point. They don't say it, but I can feel it. But I feel like when I came here again, that changed my life because I was exposed to a lot of opportunities and to an entire new world. And I think that just made me realize that, you know, I have unlimited opportunities and I can take advantage of those and you know I was like mad at myself like why did why was I doing that to myself like I just like wasted maybe like four or five years of my life I would say like my entire high school and just you know a couple years after that and when I came here you know I was inspired by people and how they were enthused um you know regarding different stuff and I, I really wanted to be like that I, you know I wanted to like stop that just unintentional life you know and I just wanted to like have this purpose and I just wanted to you know care about something I never cared about anything so I was like you know this would be a great opportunity for me to actually do something you know it would actually benefit me the most you know it's not going to benefit others so that's I think when I just decided to like change how I was living my life, I guess. Yeah. So as leaders at Miracosa, you both are really, really involved um, on campus. And so you're kind of insiders in a way, uh, because you get to see leadership in all different forms. It's not just in the classroom. It's, you know, in these other types of meetings with faculty, with staff members, with administrators, with students. Uh, can you talk about what that experience has been like, the kinds of leadership that you've seen, and maybe how that has helped shape your style of leadership? And first, talk about the the role that you're in right now, and maybe we'll start with Mana. Um, yeah, so 
my role as the president of the ASG was actually inspired uh, by my first year in ASG. So my first semester in Maricosta, I had no idea what services were available to me. And um, I saw this girl and she recommended me joining ASG. So I did. And then, you know, I really liked it. And that just led to me being the president this year. And what I can say is that I feel like a leader is someone who feels responsible. It doesn't matter if you have uh, the label of a leader. You have to feel like a leader and you have to act like a leader. I feel like a lot of people, you know, either at um, at the college level or, you know, at the federal level, they have the label of a leader, but, um, you know, they don't feel like a leader and they don't act like a leader. So I think feeling that responsibility and just sensing that obligation to people and to making a change is extremely important. And I think that's what I would value the most in a leader. So to go off of that, one thing that I realized with, you know, all of the, just the faculty and all of the, the everyone on campus is that everyone's just very like genuine and loving and supportive. And they really want the best for you. And in every building that you walk into and every, just every environment, it's just, you feel that, that welcoming and you feel that, you know, like people are really on your side. Like these people are rooting for you. They want the best for you. And it really builds, I feel like a sense of community and a sense of belonging, which is so important. And as leaders, that's the type of space that we should want to create because you can really feel like you don't, matter your whole your whole experience through college you know like you're just another student but when you have people that you know just ask how your day is going or just smile at you or acknowledge you how that makes a huge difference and you know putting that energy out there putting that positive energy out there it spreads you know it's just like it just it just keeps I, I going feel with your hand movements you're saying like it ripples out like yeah 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 and maybe the, the listeners can't see that but you're using your hands to say that it goes yeah, out yeah. Now. yeah 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 i was yeah. gonna say too <laughs> it ripples and you know i feel like what mono was saying there was something that she brought up that was just super great and but it was just kind of ha- having to do with um like that responsibility and like finding it within within yourself and also, I feel like it comes with finding purpose. And a lot of people don't have purpose. Like they lack, like, why are they doing this? Like why, like being intentional with what they're doing. And that purpose really just sparks like a whole nother type of like, like power because it just makes you want to do more. And kind of, it wants, you want other people to like have, kind of have purpose too. And you feel like how having purpose just makes you that makes you wake up every day. It makes you want to do more. It makes you want to create change. And I don't know, that's just, and I feel like the faculty at Maricosa, they're leading with purpose. Like they have a purpose for why they're doing the things that they do. And I, I really like that about Maricosa. Yeah. Amir, will you remind us what, what specific roles, leadership roles you play? So for, I started working in the career center. Um, it'll be almost a year. And with that role, I served as, you know, helping students bridge that gap of that career development and kind of leading them towards the different resources that we have within the career center, because I feel like there's so many students that are unaware of that service and that that's really critical, I feel like, to our growth and development. And another position that is kind of winged off of that is the the ACP, which is the Academic and Career Pathways. 
which is something that we're implementing into the system to focus on disproportionately impacted students. And so we're pretty much working in um, groups in different categories. So like math and sciences, social and behavioral sciences, which is the one that I'm in. And it's really working one-on-one -on -one with students to make sure that they're hitting these critical steps throughout their educational um, journey. And it's really important for me because a lot of times they kind of just drift along and they don't really know what they're doing. You know, they're just kind of taking classes. They're not making an education plan. They're not seeing their career counselor, but we're kind of bridging that gap so that they're hitting these critical steps and setting them up for success. And being a student ambassador, even though it's online and it's virtual, we're still kind of figuring out how we're going to bridge that other gap from high school to community college. And I'm gonna be working with the CLC and we're kind of figuring out, you know, how we're gonna have Zoom meetings and how we're just really gonna build that foundation so that we can still make it um, effective and really build that connection. And then the Secretary of Black Student Union, we are still in the works of that. It's all new like leadership. We're trying to just get the community going, figuring out how we're gonna make it strong and how we're really gonna, you know, just inspire others and, you know, empower others. So those are things that they're kind of in the works, but we have, we have a path and this online, you know, environment is definitely, it's tough, but we're getting through it. Yeah. Mona, you, you mentioned earlier that it was, uh, you said a girl kind of recommended that you join ASG. I'm assuming that was before the pandemic. That was, yeah. Okay. So, and I'm really fascinated by what Amir you're talking about now. So leading in, in a pandemic, leaning, leading, you know, representing uh, uh, all of these sort of outreach groups and doing the work you're doing, how is that going in sort of this, this era of remote teaching and learning, um, dis social distancing, all that stuff? Mana, do you want to start? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty stressful. I mean, I remember the first day that I was like admitted as the president. And I think it was the actually the day that unfortunately George Floyd passed away. And I remember that, you know, my first, you know, my first job and, or like my first task was to address this. And I just didn't know what to do. And, you know, we were remote and I was like asking my advisors, like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to be the president at this time. Like, why is this happening to me? And I remember them just like being so patient with me and just making sure that I was mentally prepared. I think that was the most important thing. And just, you know, they, they helped me and we got through it. And, you know, we, you know, we ended up with publishing letters of support, which I think was, you know, really beneficial at that time. You know, it, you know, it was just a letter, but I think it went a long way. And I think just being remote has its own disadvantages. You know, there are a lot of times that you have to skip the trips and the drives and just the time consuming meetings. But at the same time, you know, like if you think about it, you're sitting at your desk, staring at your screen, like all the time. I mean, for me, it's even worse. Like after this, I have to code and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to be a computer science major. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> I, I want to be like an English major. I want to just like read books. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you're still sitting and looking at a surface, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like the worst. And then you have to like debug it and it's just the worst. And you know, and you have the, these other obligation and responsibilities, you know, you have to make sure that you check your email like frequently. You have to get back to people. You have to just um, acknowledge the work of your members. You have to make sure they're on track. So I would say it's pretty stressful. Even though it looks easier, even though it looks like we're not interacting with students and we're not hosting that many events, um, but I, I, I would say it's stressful because when I talk to my um, executive members, I can, I can sense it in their voice that they want to talk to me more. They want to stay on the phone and just talk, you know, because we don't see each other that much. And whenever we see each other, we're in like a Zoom meeting. And we're just discussing, you know, ASU related stuff. So I just, you know, I, I'm really sad that this lack of human connection is just bugging everyone. And I think that's the most um, important issue right now. And Amir, what would you add? And maybe talk about being in the BSU and being in a leadership position during this current cultural climate and, you know, revitalization of Black Lives Matter and, how how are things going on that front? Yeah, so it I don't know, it really sucks that we can't do this in person because I feel like the audience that we could reach and the power and the emotion that we could invoke just in a space and to have that community is so important for us because it's getting to the point where it's just like I can't I'm like so tired of seeing like people that look like me getting murdered. Uh, and I, I'm seeing it on social media and it seems like it's not ending. Like it's, it's another week. There's another person, there's another injustice. And, you know, it's like, how do we create the same, the same, you know, community and the same feeling virtu virtually. And I think that's something that we really are still kind of figuring out, but I think it's possible. And I think that by just having, you know, a space just like this to, see each other and to share with each other how we're feeling, what we're going through. Um, in I feel like to really create an open space, more of a discussion, you know, and also build that empowerment and also, you know, have positive affirmations and just still creating that that community. Yeah, so I, I think we it's possible to do that in the virtual world, but I know we still, we do need that that human interaction. We do need you know, a hug, we do need that love because we're all going through it. Like we're all feeling it. And it's really, it, it sucks when it feels like, like the world is against you in, in so many ways, but also so many people are supporting us and so many people are waking up and it, it feels good to have that support, but it's also getting to the point where it's like, like where the system is not acknowledging this and they're not doing enough. And we just have to, we really have to find the hope within ourselves and we really have to strive to be even greater and we have to strive to be in positions of power and to really stress that too, you know, to, to just be, you know, unapologetic and just to own our blackness and, you know, see our, our black as our power. And that's how I see it. And there was a point in my life where I like didn't even want to acknowledge like my blackness because I felt like it put me at a disadvantage. I felt like I was less than, and, you know, my aunt was like, no, like, like that, like you can't, like you need to, wake up like you need to like embrace it and after that realization I was like wow like it's powerful to be black it's powerful to have overcome these things and be where we are today and to continue to strive and I don't know I think 
like all this is what I want to create in in the BSU. Bonnie, you you did some Zoom clappy hands when uh, uh, Amir was talking about systems not going far enough. Do you want to jump in? Yeah, I totally agree because, you know, it's such a cliche now, but it's 2020. <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> and I'm just so surprised, you know. I, you know, I've never been in a Black person's shoes, but I can only imagine, you know. I, I'm witnessing it and I'm seeing it. And, you know, I have friends who are going through this and I just feel like it's not fair. Like, I cannot make sense of it. You know, you know, you know, yeah, you can make sense of it and say, and you know, they're racist. Yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> but so what? So why are you racist? Like, how many more people have to die for you to understand that racism is not acceptable? I just don't get it. I mean, I don't think conflict has ever had a good outcome. And I think, I don't know why people don't understand this. Like people say that they're more educated and they pay more attention and they care about people and they're with the Black Lives Matter movement, but they're not. They're just scrolling down their social media and they're just like sharing it. What are you doing about it? Nothing. They're just liking it. They're like, oh, have you seen this? That, that's all, you know? And I feel like that's bad, you know? People think that they're doing something when in fact they're actually not. And I think this puts a lot of pressure on our leaders to really act responsibly and make sure that they are taking the right steps because people seem more educated, but they're not. And, you know, they don't take any actions, which it's, it's absurd. And sometimes like just, you know, you know, pausing and just looking at the world, it seems so surreal to me. Like, I can't, I, I can't believe it, you know? And I just hope that people just, you know, become united again. This is stupid. I mean, I was, uh, I have this anthropology class and we were talking about like DNA and our professor was saying that, you know, our DNA is like super unique. But then she was saying that 99% 99.9% of our DNAs are alike. So that tells you something. That tells you that, you know, we're basically the same thing. It's just the looks. And I don't know why people care so much about the looks. Like, why do you care? That's something that I can never make sense of. You, you bring up a lot of great points, both of you. And, you know, in this day and age, we are more exposed to things than ever before, right? Uh, like police brutality, that has always been going on. But now we see it. So we feel differently about it. You know, like you said, there's people scrolling through their social media feed, but we know that those are just tailored to their own beliefs and their own groups. And, you know, it, it creates an echo chamber where they're just getting the same messages. So I think what you're speaking to, Mana, is like the, the lack of critical thinking in all of that, right? Like taking on these other perspectives, taking on these other views so that you can make more sense of things instead of just always confirming your own biases through the people that you know will tell you what you want to hear and and solidify uh, what you already think about a particular subject, right? And so, you know, we've talked about like faculty, we've talked about leaders, we've talked about kind of these other things that you're doing. I want to move this to the classroom. What does leadership in the classroom look like? And and where where do you see it? Uh, what what is your experience has been with when you see real leadership in the classroom, and it could be faculty, 
or it could be students. Um, and then where, when you see or you experience a lack of leadership in the classroom, what is that like? So, so maybe both and maybe Amir, if you want to jump off on that one. Sure. So like I had said, I started attending Miracosta my um, junior year in high school. And it was really shocking to me the lack of involvement and like participation that the students, just the lack of involvement. And my mom's a professor, so I understand like sometimes how professors feel and they want students to be involved. They want students to interact. They want students to add to the discussion. Like that's how we build content or content with the context, you know? And for me, like being a leader in the classroom meant raising my hand. And if that means asking a question or adding to the discussion and, you know, I'm sure maybe people might've gotten tired of it, but I felt like it was my responsibility to, you know, acknowledge what the, so that the professor can know that there's someone acknowledging it. And, you know, some people just are super shy, you know, they don't feel like they might not feel like what they say matters, but I also feel like that leads by example, because then it might spark other people to raise their hand. It's like, oh, you know, like I'll raise my hand since he raised his hand. And like personally, like after my class, especially like on the first day, you know, I would shake my professor's hand and I would introduce myself and I would just say, you know, like, you know, thank you for your time. And for me, it's just that acknowledgement can go so far. And that's just kind of how I led by example in my own, in my own way. So yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of how, how I see it in, in the classroom for me personally. Right on. How about you, Mana? Um, I have to say this is a tricky topic. <laughs> uh, when Amir was talking, I was like thinking about it. I was like, what should I say? <laughs> and I think Amir, like he brought up some good points. I think like a simple email etiquette would be hmm. <laughs> really helpful. Like I know like a lot of students just email their professors and they don't even say hi they don't even say thank you they don't even say bye <laughs> and i remember this professor he actually mentioned it in one of his announcement he was like you know when you email me make sure you have hi and you have thanks and i was like wow people don't do that <laughs> and it was just so shocking to me like you're you're just <laughs> at college you should know this and that's something that i think um, students, especially in this online environment where we can see each other's posts and we can see each other's discussion, should take that responsibility and make sure that they're educating other people. And I think like, you know, just a simple raise of hand, just like Amir mentioned, it's super helpful. I always do that too. I feel like if you are brave enough to do that for someone, then you're kind of like paving the way for others so that they can raise their hand. And if you ask a question, then that might be a question that someone else was thinking about. So I think it's the simple things. And I think on the instructor's part, they have to acknowledge things that are happening too. So if they're seeing something that's not right, they have to mention it. They don't have to say like, oh, you know, it's a conversation between students. I don't want to like get involved or I don't want to intervene. I don't think that's right. You know, if it's, if it's a tricky topic and if it's not right, I think you should always bring it up and I think you should always mention it there's you know nothing will happen if you were wrong but yeah. something will would happen if you were right and that was like an actual terrible conversation that was happening between mm. two people yeah how about how about in the zoom classroom in the remote classroom so the 
What's the equivalent, uh, Amir, for the, the raising your hand in like a lecture hall to doing something in a Zoom meeting? Um, and, and, and I'm curious, like what, where you are leading or, or also possibly an experience you've had recently in a classroom where you felt led by, like another student did something and you felt, oh, that's, I'm doing that next time. So I would definitely say it's kind of the same thing in a sense. You know, we're all on the screen and I have two scheduled Zoom, Zoom meetings for classes. So, you know, oftentimes the professor, you know, leaves it open. It's like, so does anyone, you know, want to say something? And, but actually one thing that is actually better with the Zoom is the breakout rooms. So I think that has really been a key with student um, involvement and interaction and still kind of building that, um, that classroom interaction because those breakout rooms, you know, you're with like three or four students and you're kind of talking about, or the student or the teacher will give you discuss this in your breakout rooms. And then, you know, we can actually talk and kind of get to know each other and relate to each other in different topics, you know? So I think that in a way is actually better because then we're kind of forced to interact, but vice versa in the classroom, it's like, you just go to class, you might not say hi to the person next, sitting next to you at all the whole semester, you know, but with this Zoom, it's kind of you're forced with that interaction. And same with my other class, you know, we have Zoom and it's more interactive where he asks students like, oh, can you answer this? And or if you're in a group, he'll say, can someone from your group, you know, answer this? So um, I actually do like how we're able to be in, more involved um, in the in the Zoom setting. Yeah, I have to say that I really admire the people who turn on their video and they turn on their mic. I mean, I admire them because I usually don't do that because I wake up in the morning, I look terrible, like puffy eyes, messy hair. And then I see like this girl or this guy, like just sitting there so, looking so fresh and good. And, you know, I feel like that makes you that kind of like forces you to hold yourself accountable. You know, you just sit there and you just avoid looking for your phone or like, I don't know. You know what I do? I just, I look at my shoes and I start cleaning them. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm supposed to be listening to the lecture. And then I'm like, you know, I have to do this. But I think that that really helps like holding yourself accountable, but just by just like um, turning on your video and just knowing that you're, you're, being seen, it just makes a lot of difference. I don't, do, I don't do that all the time, but I really admire those people who do that like all the time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was telling the other day when we were logging in, you know, Zoom has that initial, do you want your camera on and you see yourself? <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, I look like shit today. God, <laughs> fine. <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel every yeah. day. I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> hey, Mana. Mana, they made me looking fresh, like from here up, right? But they yeah. still got sweatpants and gym pants, gym shorts on. That's right. Let's be completely one hundred percent honest. Literally me, all the time. <laughs> oh, thanks for lightening the mood here. So, what are, what are you? You know, y'all are leaders, student leaders, and you're connected to students, probably in some ways that faculty can't be. So, I want to know, like, what are you hearing from students right now about the online, the completely online college experience? And then also, what what would you like? Because we have faculty listeners, what would you like faculty to know? What is important for them to know about the student experience right now? And Mana, if you wanna. I think some of the main things that I've been hearing from students is the fact that a lot of faculty switch the format of their classes. So they were supposed to be like 
let's say synchronous and they switched it to asynchronous and then that just messed up the student's schedule and everyone was complaining i know like a lot of friends of mine who had that issue i actually had a class that was supposed to be synchronous and then switched to asynchronous and i was like i only took that class because i wanted to you know have a slight interaction and i think that's that's really bad and i think faculty should be held accountable for that because you know we spend i don't know maybe a week or so just on planning the schedule. And that'll be like, what, for like 16 weeks, you know, it's it's a good amount of time. And I think just messing that up is really not good. So I, I really hope that if you're hearing this, please try to fix this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. Amir, how about you? Some insights? Sometimes what I hear students saying is um, like the workload is pretty extreme. It's, I feel like it, sometimes, you know, it varies with classes and stuff like that, but I feel like just with what, everything that's going on, I feel like you can still have the same impact and the same effect and not assign so much work, you know, because then at this point, and this is another thing that I hear from students is like, they're just trying to get through the work that they're not actually learning. So they're not even comprehending. It's just like, I'm just trying to get this assignment done. I'm just going to try to figure out how I can use you know, my notes, my, the textbook, just to like answer the question, you know, so it's not like really involving themselves with the material. So it's like, how as faculty do you create something? And I mean, this ranges for a, the class, you know, but like, how do you make it meaningful and effective with not so much workload, if that's possible, because there's just so many different circumstances now with like this pandemic that people are going through that wouldn't, be facing, you know, if this wasn't happening, you know, like, you know, there might be students that are moms, but they have to be with their child on Zoom for, you know, part of the day because that's how their child is learning and they can't, you know, there's just so many different things that if the faculty and professors could be a little bit more understanding and, which I think they have been, but just, uh, you know, think about that because students are definitely going through and I know professors are going through it too, you know, you guys have your lives and it's, it's a lot, but just to, you know, be supportive and encourage each other and be there for each other is the best thing that we can do right now. Yeah, 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 no, that's really key. And maybe a similar question, but both of you play kind of a, a tutor role, an ambassador role. And so Amir, you're a student ambassador and Mana, you a math and science tutor. So you're also, I imagine you have some insights that you could share working with students, right? From, from that angle, trying to, to lead in that space, um, encourage, uh, provide some grace, but also provide some, some tools for students to, to do the work and to engage the learning. Is there anything you'd like to speak to there? Amir, do you wanna, do you wanna start with your role sure, as so, a student ambassador? Yeah, so I found like with my own experiences, you know, navigating through the college, um, it's it's a process of getting comfortable, finding resources, getting involved. But the the one thing that you know being in these positions allows me to introduce that earlier because you know it could be like a whole year or you know year and a half where you don't know that you know there's a writing center you can get you know that there's like there's so much support and there's so many people willing to support and they're just waiting for people to come in and get help until so, that. Uh, there's, there's so much out there and to be involved and to get that help. And, you know, some people feel like they, they just, they don't know where to go. They don't know how to navigate those, those places. And 
with my experiences and my knowledge, I've actually been able to help direct and help lead people to the right places. And just like even my friends that go to Maricosta, like I helped my friend do like a whole, I, by looking at like the A, B or C advisement sheet. So like by B, like I helped him pick his classes for the next semester and I helped him enroll in them. Like I literally like helped log into his, like I, so with this knowledge, like I'm able to actually help students and you know, like the UC um, tag application, there's so many people that didn't even know that they could get transfer admission guaranteed to, you know, six UCs. And, you know, I'm doing, I'm in that same process, but, and some people, they didn't even know they could do that. And so this, my new knowledge allows me to open doors for other people. So I'm, I'm just really thankful for that because they need that and they need to know that there's support and that there's resources and there's just so much for them. And even with this online format that, none of that like has gone away. Like there's right. still the writing center, there's still the math center, there's still counseling, you know, all of that. So, you know, just making it known and that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And Mona, how about you? So your role as a tutor, what, what are you seeing students needing right now? And, and where are you seeing some cool opportunities or some success? I think that students have the same needs, maybe, some have more financial needs or, you know, needs that can be uh, categorized in like a, in our care department, you know, those needs may be more nowadays, but I feel like the other needs, you know, like help with your math or help with your physics, help with finding a career, counseling, you know, all of those things are still there. And I feel like students are maybe avoiding them or just you know stepping away from them because everything is <laughs> tied to this computer <laughs> and they don't want to be tied to the computer for a whole day you know they you know sometimes I just feel like my eyes are burning so that you know they don't want that so nobody wants that so I feel like they avoid it but you know I think there are there are also times where they can't avoid it so they have to actually go to those centers and I think that's what has happened with the math learning center. So in the spring, we had so little students just coming in and getting tutoring. And we were like super disappointed. We thought like, you know, this is never gonna work and no one's gonna know that we exist. And then fast forward, we're in the fall semester and we have a lot of students and they actually enjoy it. And, you know, they've gotten used to it. So, you know, it's basically their new normal, like we say nowadays. And I think it's really good that they, they've accepted it because, you know, avoiding it and just fighting it, it's not going to make anything better. So, you know, we have, we've actually got some, you know, pretty cool letters where, where they were, you know, appreciating our services and they were happy that we still do this. So that was like pretty cool. And, you know, it was nice to read, but I think overall they, they don't want it, but they have to use it. <laughs> Go for it, Curry. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I was, it made me think, Mana, how you started with this sort of like compulsory, uh, compulsory leadership, like forced, you must do this. You must come in and get math help. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, um, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. I was going to say, just in kind of wrapping up here, is there anything else you would like to say on the topic of leaders to our audience right now? And Amir, anything you want to say just to kind of wrap things up for us? I don't know. I just, we should just all strive for greatness, whatever that may look like. Like we're all capable of so much and I want people to find, you know, the worth in themselves. And I want them to know that they're worth it. 
And, you know, just to, by us, you know, appreciating that and acknowledging that within ourselves and within each other, I feel like we can really begin to move away from this world that's so hateful, but, you know, by leading with love and, like I said, you know, leading with compassion, leading with respect and, you know, just being appreciative of everyone, no matter what they look like, no matter, you know, just, just always be thoughtful about the energy that you're putting out and the way that you're leading and the way that you're interacting and the way that you portray yourself and think critically about like who you are and what you want to do and like what your, what your message is and what your purpose is. And think more, like as a leader, you know, it's more than just directing people and giving people something to do, but learning from each other and just building each other up and creating, you know, like I said earlier, more leaders. And I just want, you know, all of us to work together and be the best that we can be. Thank you, Amir. Mona? Um, can I just mention something that Amir said? When he said, like, strive for greatness, it, I just remember, like, LeBron James's motto. He always, like, captions, like, strive for greatness. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so I think that everyone can be a leader. You don't need to have a leadership label, you know, just like I mentioned earlier. And you don't need to be, like, JFK or Gandhi or Nelson Mandela to be known or identified as a leader. I think if you care about yourself, if you care about your community, if you care about people in general, and if you just care, you can be a leader. You know, you don't have to have like a bold personality when you're just like, you know, you know how they're like always <laughs> doing this things with their hands and they have like this particular voice, you know, I think people think that leaders, you know, they have this specific characteristics and I don't think that's right. I think that, Anyone can be a leader, and I think it's important to be leaders nowadays. Since since we are seeing a lot of hate, we're seeing a lot of uh, injustice, and I really hope that everyone feels that sense of responsibility to help out their community, help out their families, help out their friends, and just be a leader for them. If you know, if they see a lack of leadership anywhere. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I. Yeah, during this recording session here, I was all in my feelings to tell you the truth. Um, the, the the listeners won't be able to see, but I, I started tearing up at, at certain times during this conversation. And yeah, like y'all give me a lot of hope. Yeah. And I kind of want to apologize for <laughs> my generation contributing to what we're experiencing right now. But uh, damn, I don't know. Talking Talking to you folks and talking to other students just lets me know that that y'all are going to clean it up and make it better. Yeah. So I appreciate your leadership. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on this conversation. This was really great. Amir and Mana, appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us. You know, I really value, you know, your work, Sean. And I know it, it also gives me hope too. And it makes me feel good about what I'm doing and like the type of life that I want to lead. And I don't know, it's just, I just, you guys are also amazing. And I believe in you all. And we're all going to be great. And, you know, let's just, let's just, let's just do this together. <laughs> I second everything that Amir said. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks. So something I found really interesting about Amir and Mana's experience was they both spoke to resisting right? Uh, sort of this formative experience as young people resisting whatever it is they were going through. So 
you know, Mana spoke about uh, growing up in Iran and seeing women oppressed. Amir actually talked about growing up somewhat complacent, but then realizing he needed to resist his friend groups, you know, kind of his social spaces, changes environment. But then in their leadership role, Sean, you at one point commented, well, now you guys are insiders. And, and Amir had that kind of moment with his hand and it was like, their role now is to kind of ripple out, almost like maintain, right? Yeah. Uh, to reaffirm the institutions they're a part of now. And so, I, and, and I just thought that was a fascinating kind of arc from and resisting to then reinforcing, right? And how a leader really has to, you know, those aren't binaries. Like we bring those kind of character traits with us, right? To resist and to also kind of ripple out the values that we're now sort of in charge of reinforcing. And where we see the most resistance in all areas of life is when there's change, right? Oh, yeah. And we're going, experiencing so many changes right now in our society. And at the same time, I just admire these young folks so much because they are coming into adulthood, right? And at the same time, they're transitioning into these leadership roles. And we kind of joked about it after the recording stopped, Curry, that was like, we at that age could not do right. that at all, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. No way. I mean, for me, I, you know, I was a returning student, especially in community college. Um, so I was all about, you know, my wife and I, our kids, our plan. I was going to school and benefiting from it, but I had little to give back, you know, at that point in my life. Yeah. I, I hope I'm able to do something like that now, but then no way, no way. Yeah. When I was going to Miracosta and I was maybe a little bit older than them, I I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what ASG was. I didn't know about the different student clubs that were happening. And they're just so informed. I mean, it, it is a part of the role that they play on campus, but I think they're just really curious. Like they, they wanna know what's going on with all of the different resources and how to connect students to those resources. They're speaking on behalf of you know other students and letting us know as faculty members, this is what it's like. and if you can ease up in these areas, that would be great. And I think it's just a very important space that they're in yeah. and they're taking full advantage of it, you know, through this podcast, through their, their leadership roles on campus, they're able to really advocate for the students in ways that we can't, we just can't do it. Our positionality just does not allow for that. Right. Right. And, and so that, that's where I see another difference between me and, and, and Mana and Amirit. I tend to right now focus on problems I'm seeing, right? So, so for example, the spaces that both are occupying as leaders is this one, it's this virtual space, it's a social media space. And both, both are commenting on how this is, it's draining, it's, it's something we're, we're constantly a part of. And it's also missing that, you know, the lobby, you know, where Mana, Mana said, you know, a, a girl reached out to her and invited her. Like that's so hard to just have happen when you log in right when class starts and you log out right when it ends, right? Or you log in for an appointment and you log out when it's done. There's no that between space. And I just, I, I'm really obsessing over this. I can't think of anything except for that problem. I'm not seeing any solutions, but, but both Mana and Amir were like, no, 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 we can still reach out in these spaces. And, and we're seeing frustration, but we're also seeing lots of success. And so, you know, your, your comment at the end, just about, you know, your, your emotional response to how, Hope, the hope that you were hearing from both and the how, how that was making you inspired because of their leadership in these spaces. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I totally, I agree with that. That's, it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it's really a double-edged sword here. Cause I, I do miss the hallway 
talking yeah. the hallway banter right yeah and at the same time i'm like you know how much time i'm saving each week by not having that right and, but there's a lot that comes out of that and i i kind of especially with my colleagues I, and with students certainly and with my colleagues when we have those hallway conversations some of the best ideas come out of that right and some you know the 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 real seeds for a future project like this one yeah. like safe topics like this this podcast came from you and i having a conversation that hallway conversation and you know we're a year and a half into this thing now so it's just uh, there is something that is lost by not having those in-between spaces like you're talking about but you know again these students show us that there's other ways of accomplishing this and maybe there's something to be gained in it as well absolutely absolutely and, and you remind me like it's true that the kind of the, the, the productivity orientation versus the community orientation. I, I remember struggling with that before the pandemic. There'd be days I'd go to the office on campus and feel like I didn't get anything done. I didn't grade any papers. I didn't prep. I didn't yep. respond to emails. But what I did do was I talked to colleague after colleague after colleague <laughs> on my way to try to get work done. But I'd be yeah, driving home going, but those relationships that I'm building with my colleagues and 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 sort of in addition to the cool ideas that we just exchanged with each other it's knowing that I'm a part of this community you know um that was really valuable and it, it is something that I worry about I know that relationships I have currently with my colleagues and with former students are still intact but I I, I worry about especially new folks to Maricosta uh students who are brand new to the campus um again this is me now focusing on problems you know a person like Mana who would really benefit from Mana saying, hey, why don't you come join ASG? Yeah. Uh, if that encounter might never happen because of kind of what we're dealing with right now. I'm not totally hopeless about that, but. Yeah, and it's good not to be totally hopeless. No, Those two right. students today, uh, like you that's said, right. fill, filled me with hope yeah. and uh, just, just love talking to them, love connecting with them. And, you know, I hadn't really known, I, I didn't really talk to either of them in any kind of extensive way prior to this conversation and I'm just so impressed and I hope I hope our audience takes the time to really um, consider and 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 think about what they had to say because uh, it, it it definitely helps us in charting a new path forward yeah absolutely absolutely cool man well this was a great great conversation good chatting with you yep I'm looking forward to the next one as always absolutely This episode was produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia created the show notes and manages our social media. Episodes of the Safe Topics podcast are now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please download and subscribe. Thank you for listening.